Okay, three, two, one. Oh my goodness. Good morning, good afternoon, whatever it is for you. I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports, episode 419. Welcome in. Uh, got a haircut. I shaved my own head once again. And uh, I, yes, I have a tiny head, and the headphones do not do me any favors. They make my head look even smaller. I got to say, though, I love not having to worry about my hair at all. Like, that's, it's glorious. It's also nice to not pay anybody anything. I just do it. I just have a, a setting, 10 millimeters on my stupid little, my, I got, I got a specific one for cutting hair, but oh my gosh, it's, uh, I feel free. I feel happy. It's really cheap. It literally costs nothing. I cannot, if you are a person who doesn't like hair, I cannot recommend enough. Just shave your head. It, it, it's so freeing. It feels great. Uh, today, we got a lot to talk about. We're going to talk about Lincoln Riley. Of course, massive news there. Uh, college football had a crazy, chaotic weekend. We'll talk about that. But I want to start today by talking about the NFL. So uh, we just had NFL Week 12, and there are seven things I find noteworthy that I want to talk about. Number one is this. The Green Bay Packers beat the LA Rams 36-28, to and here's the story. Rams quarterback Matthew Stafford had two turnovers, a fumble and an interception. Both of them led to Packers touchdowns. The fumble gave Green Bay the ball first and goal on the six-yard line, and the interception was basically a pick six. So basically, Matthew Stafford handed the Green Bay Packers 14 points. The Rams lost by eight. Stafford gave up 14. And look, look Matthew Stafford's turnovers were the difference in this football game. And the uncomfortable reality of Matthew Stafford right now, so far this year, is that turnovers are killing him. And the Rams have lost three games in a row. They did not win one time in the entire month of November. November has come and gone. They are 0-3. They lost every single game they played in November. They got dominated by Tennessee. They lost to, you know, they, they got dominated by the 49ers. Then they lost to Green Bay now, week 12. And Stafford, in those three games, has had not one, not two, but six turnovers. That's really bad. And right now, Matthew Stafford is hurting his team. And there, I know I, I always acknowledge the people out there that were like, they, they always blamed Matthew Stafford for what, what went wrong in Detroit. And, like, you have to acknowledge those people out there are like, Hey, like they're feeling really good. I mean, they felt good two weeks ago. Now they're really confident. And if Matthew Stafford does not clean things up, then LA has no shot to win a Super Bowl. And I think Matthew Stafford's fantastic. He's talented, but like even I'm like, yeah, he's got it. He's got to get better. Uh, now he did have a long ball to OBJ for a touchdown. That was awesome. And Odell Beckham Jr. and Matthew Stafford, they're still a work in progress. Uh, I think the best is yet to come for their relationship together. And it's only year one of Matthew Stafford in LA. Like I'm not ready to hit the panic button to give up. Although I will say, even though it's year one, the Rams are all in on this year today. And they didn't trade for, uh, you know, Vaughn Miller. They didn't make a move to get Odell Beckham Jr. They didn't trade a bunch of first round picks for Matthew Stafford for him to have a ton of turnovers and cost his team points and hurt them and help them lose. So, Matthew Stafford, the pressure's on. He has to be better. Right now, he's hurting his football team, and the dude has to be better 
if his football team wants to achieve their goals. Now, for the Packers, there's not a lot to say about Green Bay. Uh, they're 9-3, and three, and they just keep winning, man. Like, injuries, the last couple of games, they've had guys hurt in and out of the lineup, and even with people missing time, including, I mean, they lost when Aaron Rodgers got hurt, but he's even banged up a little bit. The Packers just keep winning, and probably, honestly, right now, Green Bay should be the Super Bowl favorites right now after NFL Week 12. Like, I think we're going to get a rematch in the NFC title game between the Packers and Tampa. And I, I would be surprised to to not see that happen right now, actually, because the Rams, like the, the the Super Bowls in LA, I've been trying to be like, yeah, the Rams, it'd be cool if they had a Super Bowl in their own city, but I, I, the Rams are playing bad right now, and the Packers are on fire. And again, it's the way the Packers are winning. They keep finding a way to win, no matter who's in their lineup, and that's really, really impressive right now about the Green Bay Packers. Game number two, the Dolphins beat Carolina 33 to 10. It's a massive win for Miami. And Tua, their young quarterback, second-year quarterback, keeps getting better and better and better. You know I love that. I love Tua. Uh, in this game, he was 27 for 31 passing, only four incompletions. He had he threw for 230 yards. He had a touchdown pass. And Miami right now, uh, they have won four straight games in a row. Again, Tua, every week he builds off of the last performance. He's getting a little bit better every week. The dude is learning. I love it. I think you got to give him patience. Allow him to keep developing and getting better. Uh, Dolphins young rookie receiver Jalen Waddle. He is a star in the making. I love Jalen Waddle. Uh, I this was his best game so far of his NFL career. He had nine catches for 137 yards and a touchdown. Also, on top of all that, like Miami's defense is when they play their best and at their best, they are crazy good. They've shown that. Uh, the way they dominated Lamar Jackson in this game again. I mean, Miami had a bad start to the year, but as a team, they are growing and improving all around. And I, I, you know, I was worried that their head coach would get fired after this year. If they keep this upward trajectory, getting better and growing as a team, I, I think the sky's the limit. And uh, we might see Brian Flores stick around in Miami, which I, I love to see that. I think, I, I want to see Miami do well. I want to see Tua do well. I want the people there to succeed, and I, I'm just happy that they're on an upward trajectory for now. Now, Carolina, oh, it's a horrible game. Like, a horrible, horrible game. Cam Newton was bad. Their quarterback, he was 5 for 21 passing. That's awful. He had only 92 yards, two interceptions. I mean, Carolina literally had one good drive all game. Cam hit a big deep ball. They got a touchdown there. After that, they didn't score in the entire second half. Like, they got a, a lucky field goal right before halftime where Miami had a bad snap. They return it for a big gain, kick a field goal going into halftime. Like, Carolina had one good drive. They got gifted three points. They lost 33-10. to 10. I mean, they, and they even had to bench Cam Newton in the fourth quarter. It was a terrible, terrible game for Carolina. And, and then P.J. Walker came in, their backup quarterback. He threw an interception as well, so... Maybe, and I don't know if this is a good thing or not. I can't, I can't tell you yet. Joe Brady, the offensive coordinator, keeps being rumored to be in the mix for a head coaching job. And I, I think you got to slow down a little bit there. But especially the way things have gone so far for Carolina, I would be shocked if Joe Brady became a head coach this offseason. Like, he didn't work with Sam Darnold. Cam Newton has, you know, he's struggling. And, and maybe that's good. I think... 
if I'm Joe Brady, I would not be in a hurry to take a head coaching job. Like, there's no rush. You're a young dude. Keep learning. Keep growing. And I think for Carolina, I like Joe Brady. Like, he's not bad. I, I, I think it's good that he might stay and have another year to develop and help this Carolina football team. But look, their offense looked lost on Sunday against Miami. And uh, I, I was disappointed. I love Cam. I, I want Cam Newton. The redemption arc was, it felt like it was all coming to fruition. And to see Cam Newton do so bad, um, that sucked, man. Like, I, don't, I, I just, I don't know. I want Carolina to do well. I want him to have a good quarterback. I want him to win games and, uh, I was happy for Tua, but I'm invested in both Cam and well, I like Carolina a lot, and I, I'm invested in Tua. So to see Tua do well was great, but to see Cam struggle wasn't fun, man. It was not a. It was a. a I had really mixed emotions uh, watching this football game. Now, game number three, the 49ers beat the Vikings 34 to 26. The 40, 49ers are six and five. Good for them. I love Debo Samuel. The dude does everything. He runs. He catches passes. Uh, he ran for two touchdowns in this game against Minnesota. Also, shout out to Elijah Mitchell, the rookie running back for the 49ers. He was a sixth round draft pick. Dude is a stud. He ran for 133 yards with 27 carries and a touchdown. And uh, he was like, again, I, I always say running backs are overvalued. You don't need to get a first round running back. Elijah Mitchell is exactly proof of that. Like, you can get a quality running back in the sixth round. James Robinson went undrafted last year. So, I don't know. I, I love to see Elijah Mitchell do well, and it does reinforce what I already believed about the running back position. Now, for Minnesota, oh, it's a devastating loss. It, this is a... feels like a low point of the year uh, for the Vikings, actually, where they started the year 1-3, and three, and I was like, ah, this is bad, and... But the Vikings, man, they fought all the way back to 5-5. Five and five. They scratched. They clawed. They did everything they could. They beat two good teams in a row. And here they were last year. Going into this game, the Vikings are 5-5. Five and five. I'm like, man, it's all—they're they're turning things around. I love it. And I thought momentum was building, and then they lost to the 49ers. Now they're 5-6. and six. And what's sad here, I, I, I've been trying to praise the Vikings quarterback, Kirk Cousins. And he had a good game here, too. But the, the problem with Kirk, and I, I feel like we saw this with Carson Wentz this week, with Matthew Stafford, with Kirk Cousins, they're all similar guys where they just, they need to be able to avoid the one critical mistake I feel like those guys make every week or every time they lose a game. It's always because of, you can point to one exact play that caused it to happen. And unfortunately, the play here was in the second half. Uh, Kirk Cousins basically threw a pick six. He threw a pick that got returned all the way to, uh, you know, the two yard line. Gave the 49ers first and goal. And I, I don't, I don't, I'm not happy to say this, but that's the difference in the game. Like that's why, if that doesn't happen, it's a totally different ball game. And I just, it's, a, I don't know why he didn't see a linebacker there. Like linebackers just sitting there. I don't. I, I it was a bad interception. And it's, I just, I want to see Kirk better and I, I don't it's hard to say that when he's got what like 20 something touchdowns and, and now three interceptions all year but he has more turnover turnover worthy plays than that and it's just I I love Kirk he's so close always he's like a little engine that could like I'm rooting for him I want him to do well and I feel like he always not always he often finds a way to get in his own way and 
as much as I love the guy and I want to embrace him, I just feel like it's, there's always something, man. And uh, I don't know. I was, I was sad to see Minnesota lose because I thought I was like, this is a foundational game. And uh, they're going to keep Kirk. I'm not saying give. I'm not giving up on Kirk. He's, he's not bad or anything tor- terrible. But uh, I, I was sad to see the Vikings lose and go from five and five. They fought so hard to get there and lose to the 49ers. Now they're five and six. That's a a tough way to go. Uh, and I feel like, I mean, the year is over. You, I don't, I don't imagine that Minnesota can recover from a five and six start at this point in the year. And uh, I don't know. We'll see. But like the Packers are going to win the division. I don't think they're a playoff team. And I think Mike Zimmer is going to get fired pretty clearly after this year. Number four, the Patriots beat the Titans 36 to 13. And, uh, you know, by the way, this is crazy. Tennessee ran the ball for 270 yards. Derrick Henry's out on the injured reserve. Didn't matter. Uh, Dontrell Hilliard ran for 131 yards. Deontay Foreman ran for 109 yards. They had two running backs run for over 100 yards in this game. Now, the passing game for Tennessee was not great. Uh, Both top receivers, Julio Jones and A.J. Brown, are on the injured reserve. And it showed. Uh, I, I... not the best game Ryan Tannehill's ever had in his life. And I don't know. It's it's pretty rare you run the ball for 270 yards and you lose badly. So weird game for Tennessee. They're 8-4 and four right now. The Titans season is not over like at all. Um, nothing like that. This was a tough loss. But look ahead. The last five games for Tennessee are you got the Jaguars, Pittsburgh, the 49ers, Miami, and Houston. Teams that are not... Yeah, one of those teams only has a, a winning record even. So I, I, they're not easy games, but they're all winnable. And I just, I'm, I'm curious to see where Tennessee ends up. I want to see them get healthy. Derrick Henry might, will pro- hopefully come back for the playoffs. Julio Jones is coming back. AJ Brown is coming back at some point. But, uh, you know, that, that, this was an ugly, ugly loss to New England on Sunday. Now the Patriots, man, they're eight and four. And, they're looking really good. Their young rookie quarterback, Mac Jones, was great. Mac Jones was 23 for 32 with 310 yards and two touchdowns in this game. Here is the scary thing about Mac Jones. I, I don't think people are, are properly understanding how significant it is that he is already doing so well. And in fact, he's still getting better. Like, there's still even better football in the future for Mac Jones, and he's playing at a high level now. Like, the Patriots are back. They got a great quarterback. They got a great defense. They got a loaded roster. They spent a ton of money in free agency. Bill Belichick, king of the castle. I don't know, man. Like, I, think about this. Patriots versus Tampa. In L.A., in February, in the Super Bowl. That would be amazing. Brady versus Belichick in the Super Bowl. That'd be really fun. And uh, it's not impossible. Like, Man, the Patriots look really good, and uh, they remind me. It's crazy to watch uh, the Tom Brady documentary, Man in the Arena, because you get to relive the early years of Tom Brady and when they were such a defensive-led football team with you know clean and decent quarterback play from Tom Brady. And remember, early on in Tom Brady's career, he was good, but he wasn't what he was now or what he was in 2007 when they went you know 18 and 0 or 18 and 1, I guess. They they ha- they won with defense and you know not having their quarterback turn over the ball and take care of the football and it's the same it's exactly what's happening now in New England and that that recipe as we've seen before can absolutely win a Super Bowl and also Mac Jones is on a rookie contract for a couple of years so 
if you're a Patriots fan, you are you're so happy. I can't believe like, man, of, of course. Like, why did people ever doubt that Bill Belichick wouldn't figure it out? But the Patriots are back and uh, Mac Jones is fantastic. Now, let's keep talking about Tampa because number five, the Buccaneers beat the Colts 38 to 31. Actually, I guess I want to talk about Indy first. The Colts are now six and six, which it kind of reminds me of uh, Minnesota, where Minnesota fought all the way back to 500 just to lose in this game. And I don't think losing to Tampa is like a shameful thing, but being six and six is not good for the Colts. Now, they're still in the mix because the AFC is crazy, but Colts quarterback Carson Wentz threw for 300 yards on three touchdowns. Sure, that's great. He also had three turnovers against Tampa, uh, two interceptions and a fumble. Now, interception number two of the day, it was on a Hail Mary on the final play of the game. Like, you can't hold that against him. But he started the third quarter with a fumble and then an interception, and both of them led to Tampa Bay touchdowns. So I see a lot of similarities here between the way Matthew Stafford played this week uh, against Green Bay and the way that Carson Wentz played against Tampa. It's just like, man, like your your quarterback is is costing you points and you're losing close games because of it. And the Colts, like, man, they had such a perfect first half. They were up 24 to 14 at halftime. I, I was just kind of heartbroken and sad to see the Colts lose that way where they had the game in their grasp. They're showing all their potential. They're flexing their muscles. And then they kind of fall apart in the third quarter. And you're like, oh, no, no. And, oh, man, I, I makes me emotional. Like, I, I was rooting for – I'm really excited. I really, truly believe in the Colts. And you watch Hard Knocks, and you see that Frank Reich, their head coach, he really believes – like, he's not – saying it because he thinks it'll help his team. Like Frank Reich really believes in his football team, the head coach there. And I believe in the football team. Like the potential is massive with the Colts. They're capable of a lot. And it's only year one of the Carson Wentz, but, and I resigned a while back. Super Bowl's off the table for the Colts, but I would love to see them make the playoffs and have a good year they can build off of. And I, I was hoping that the Colts would win this game. I'm not going to lie. I, I, I got to say, I love the Colts throwback uniforms with the, the couple stripes on the sock. Now, teams are superstitious, so they lost in the uniforms. I hope they wear them again someday. I don't know that they will, although that was very cool. I think it's a great win for Tampa. Like, Tampa's 8-3. and three. Indy's a better team than their record would show. Huge win for Tampa Bay this weekend. And again, I said it earlier in the segment, but I'm really, truly thinking that we're going to get a rematch in the NFC title game of Green Bay versus Tampa, the game to get into the Super Bowl. That would be really fun. And I think it would be the two best quarterbacks, Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers, playing against each other. That sounds fantastic. So, yeah, man, I don't know. Number six, got a huge win for Cincinnati this weekend. The Bengals beat Pittsburgh 41-10. to Joe Mixon, the Bengals running back, ran uh, 28 times. He had 165 yards rushing and two touchdowns. Joe Burrow was good. Had an interception, but otherwise, like, 24, or 20 for 24 passing. Really clean game. Not, like, a massive number stat-wise, but, like, playing good football. It's pretty beautiful to see, actually. And the Bengals' defense is so good. Like, this is why, like, Joe Burrow's great, and Jamar Chase is awesome. The Bengals' defense has really shocked me this year. They've been way better than I thought. And don't look now, but if the playoffs started today, the Bengals would be a playoff team. They'd be the number five seed, actually, in the AFC. They are 7-4, and four, and I, I'm i so happy to see that. Like, to see that Joe Burrow really is legitimately turning around the Bengals, and uh, it's just awesome. Now, Big Ben, the Steelers quarterback, 
Had three turnovers, two uh, interceptions, and a fumble. Basically, Big Ben handed Cincinnati 17 points. Uh, bad game for him. I don't love to see that. And uh, I, I'm, I just, Big Ben was doing well. Like building, He had a great game last week. They lost, but he played fantastic. And Big Ben did not look good in this game. Okay, number seven, let's talk about the Jets quarterback, Zach Wilson. Uh, the Jets actually won. They beat Houston 21-14. to John Franklin Myers had an awesome interception. It was pretty sweet. He had a, he tipped a screen pass, picked it off. He had two sacks. But the Jets rookie quarterback, Zach Wilson, was 14 for 24 passing for 145 yards and an interception. The interception, I kind of felt bad for him on. It was, he was scrambling, trying to make a play, tried to throw a shovel pass to his running back. It bounced off his back, got picked off. Kind of, that's rough. But Look, the reality, when you look at the year that Zach Wilson has had, been injured, not played great. He's had one good game all year. He had the, a great game where they beat Tennessee in overtime. But look back on the year Zach Wilson has had. He has four touchdown passes and 10, 10 interceptions. And I get it. He's a rookie. I get it. He is a Jets quarterback. Like He's got a lot of disadvantages going on. But I'm I'm wondering, like, when is Zach Wilson going to show why he was the number two overall pick? I just, I've been waiting, I've been waiting, and I I love the guy, and even I am losing patience. I cannot imagine how the Jets fans feel. I mean, write in, let me know. Are you, like me, going like, when is this guy going to, like, Mac Jones is killing it in your division. Trevor Lawrence has had moments, he's looked good. Trey Lance isn't playing, that's fine. Justin Fields has had moments, but Zach Wilson is the guy that I just, I'm like, dude, what? <laughs> I get it. I get it. Look, rookie quarterback, Jets quarterback, disadvantages, but when are we going to see why the Jets made Zach Wilson the number two overall pick? Houston, they played Houston this week, has one of the worst defenses in the NFL. And even still, even Houston's defense couldn't make Zach Wilson look great. And I, I just, I'm not in panic mode. I am getting worried. I, I, I thought by now it'd be better. And he, he would have at least something to give me hope. He had one good game. And that, at this point, feels like a fluke. And I, I just, I'm getting increasingly worried about the Jets' young quarterback, Zach Wilson. And I hope, I hope that's just me overreacting. But it's like, at what point is this going to pop and he's going to look good? I don't know. I'm waiting and waiting and it's still not happening. So those are my thoughts on NFL Week 12, the noteworthy seven. Let's shift gears to some massive news in college football. USC has found their new head coach. They are hiring uh, now former Oklahoma head coach Lincoln Riley. We do not know yet how much money he's making. I would imagine it's a big deal. And I got to say, I'm surprised. I'm surprised and impressed by USC. I did not expect USC to actually hire a top coach, and they did here. They hired Lincoln Riley. This is a massive move. Lincoln Riley will dominate the Pac-12, in my opinion. And I did not think he was going to leave Oklahoma. Like, he gave some breadcrumbs. He was very clear to say, I will not be the next head coach at LSU. I didn't realize that meant I'm not going to LSU because I'm going somewhere else. But, hey, still, I, I just thought Oklahoma was a destination job with, you know, a dream job where they've got a ton of money. They've got great top-notch facilities. And, I mean, I, I guess... USC is better, Southern California versus Oklahoma. I don't, I don't know. I just, I just am surprised that Lincoln Riley would leave 
Oklahoma for USC. Again, it makes sense thinking about it logically. Like, I guess USC is better, but... And Oklahoma had a rough year. They had two tough losses and a lot of... You know, they won a lot of games at Oklahoma this year, barely, with with small margins. But... And I, I think Lincoln Riley really just leaves behind a ton of questions at Oklahoma where... I'm I'm curious about the future of their freshman quarterback, Caleb Williams. He's an NFL quarterback. Is he going to get a good coach next at Oklahoma? Uh, where will Spencer Rattler transfer? And I would imagine with Lincoln Riley, all the focus is going to his next stop at USC. And people talk about what's, what's going to happen to USC. I would bet the question isn't being asked enough. You know, why did he leave Oklahoma? What What's going on there? Because, and do you think, do do people feel like he bailed on Oklahoma a little bit? Because I was I was excited about the future of Caleb Williams and Oklahoma is headed to the SEC. I wonder, did Lincoln Riley think he kind of hit his ceiling at Oklahoma? Maybe he thinks he's not going to. He, whether he or they, which maybe both, he thinks you know they're not going to be able to compete in the SEC. Does he think Oklahoma can't ever win a college football national title? Like, What's going on there? Is it all about money? I have so many questions as Lincoln Riley leaves Oklahoma because he was a head coach at Oklahoma for five years. He went 55 and 10. And I just, I didn't think he was leaving. I just did not expect him to take the USC job. And I, I do believe he's going to dominate at Southern California. It, it's an easier conference than the SEC, that's for sure. And I think the path to a national title game I think the Pac-12 is the easiest place to go if you want to. USC, build a program there, dominate recruiting, and then dominate your you're playing Colorado, Utah. Like, come on. Come on. Like, that's – I would rather play Utah and Colorado and Arizona State, Arizona, than <laughs> Alabama and Ole Miss and Georgia. Like, hey, I'm good. I would rather try to play a Pac-12 schedule. But – so I'm pumped for USC. I think it's going to be a really important and great thing for college football to have USC back on the map. I'm, I would be shocked if Lincoln Riley didn't find a way to dominate at USC. He's going to have an easy time recruiting. He's going to sell himself really well. And I, I would just imagine that USC is going to return to a powerhouse with Lincoln Riley. And if that doesn't happen, come find me because I will be shocked. I'll be like, I can't believe that didn't work out. Now, Oklahoma is screwed. They're going to the SEC. They don't have a coach yet uh, to lead them into that change. And I mean, losing your genius coach is never good. Like the only kind of silver lining here with Oklahoma is that Bob Stoops is coming back to coach in their bowl game, which is pretty cool. He gave the job to Lincoln Riley. He left kind of it's coming full circle. But uh, I, I also I just I want to repeat this. I think a lot of the focus going to USC and how big a move it is for them. And it's a massive deal. It's huge for USC. But I, I wonder, you know, did he not, did Lincoln Riley not feel secure at Oklahoma? Did he think they hit a ceiling? Like, I just, again, I want to repeat, like, all the questions I have are about Oklahoma and their future. And does him leaving indicate something wrong about them? I don't know. But I, I, something's going on there. Like, why would you leave what I viewed as a top program in college football? And maybe it's, it probably it's a simple answer, which is just that USC is an even better opportunity. More money, chance to dominate, easier chance to get to the college football playoff. But I just did not expect at all that Lincoln Riley would leave to go to 
USC. And and not that he wouldn't go to USC. I didn't expect him to leave Oklahoma, period. I thought he was I thought he was secured there for years. And uh to see him leave really, really surprises me. All right, guys. Uh I am going to take a short break. When I return, we will talk all about the chaotic, crazy weekend it was in college football. My name is Zach Schaumler. I'm gonna take a short break. I will be right back. All right, we are back. Hope you're doing very, very well. I uh, got a couple things I want to say. First of all, I just found out that Carolina Panthers running back Christian McCaffrey is injured. He's out for the rest of the year. Uh, that sucks. That's sad. <sighs> I don't know, man. I, I I feel like, so I apologize in advance for what I'm about to say. I feel like I say this all the time. But I would not pay running backs. And Christian McCaffrey is just another example of why you don't give running backs big contracts in the NFL. He got all this money, and he really hasn't been healthy ever since he got a big contract. And you can find production without giving a running back a lot of money. Look at Elijah Mitchell. Sixth-round pick, a rookie, and he's killing it for the 49ers right now. There's just so many, there's example after example after example of running backs who aren't paid very much money, who bring a lot to the table. And I I wonder, like, at this point, is the only way to save Christian McCaffrey's career, like, do we switch him to receiver? Is that is that a way to save his I, I don't know if, I don't know if that idea has been thrown out there, but let's just, if you're, if you're Carolina, line the dude up in the slot. Stop running the ball between the tackles with Christian McCaffrey. It's just... His body can't handle it, it seems, anymore. And I wonder if there's any conversation behind the scenes to transition him into a receiver full-time and just have him stop lining up at running back at all. Um, another story I saw, did anybody see the story where apparently Devontae Adams rejected Odell Beckham Jr.'s desire for a jersey swap after the game between L.A. and Green Bay? And he... I'm not going to, he basically said like, look, if you want to swap jerseys with somebody, do it with Cooper Cup because that's who you decided to play with. And he's like, if you wanted to be good friends, you should have came and played with me in Green Bay. I love that. I think that's, that's kind of, it's just funny and kind of cool. And I, uh, I wonder if OBJ chose the right spot to go. He went to LA instead of Green Bay and is his career going to be more successful? Is he going to win as much? Like, I know that he, I have no doubt he would have been amazing with Aaron Rodgers. I just, I don't know how you don't play with Aaron Rodgers and be incredibly successful. Aaron Rodgers, in my opinion, is the best quarterback in the entire NFL. And uh, that would have been a home run. So <laughs> we'll see. I mean, it'll be interesting to look back on this decision OBJ made. Did he make the right move by picking LA over Green Bay? All right, let's now talk about college football. We just had rivalry weekend in college football, and oh, man, it was chaotic. It was fun. I loved it. There were all kinds of unexpected outcomes, and by far the biggest game this weekend was Michigan beat Ohio State 42-27. to It was a massive win for Michigan. Michigan is now 11-1. Ohio State is 10-2. And I'm so happy for the Wolverines head coach, Jim Harbaugh. It's his first time ever as the head coach of Michigan beating Ohio State. He was 0-5 going into the game. He's now 1-5. And he gave a great quote talking about the trash talk Ohio State has been, 
uh, frankly, talking for the last couple of years. He said, some people were born on third and they think they hit a triple. And I love that. He's, of course, referring to Ohio State head coach Ryan Day, who inherited the program from Urban Meyer. He did not build it. Remember, Michigan was 5-7 and seven the year before Jim Harbaugh took over at Michigan. Uh, how about the year before Ryan Day took over at Ohio State? Well, how did they do? Oh, they were 13-1. Uh, and one. They won the Rose Bowl. In fact, uh, he had to coach for like three games at the start of the year because Urban Meyer got in trouble and... You know, they went 10 and 1 just with Urban Meyer there. I mean, like, they dominated. And so Ryan Day inherited a vastly superior program to what Jim Harbaugh inherited uh, at Michigan the year he went there. And I just think it's cool to see it. People were calling for Jim Harbaugh's job. Like, and I was even like, is he going to keep his job? Like, I was wondering that a couple weeks ago, like a month ago. Like a month ago when he lost to, was it, how, how many weeks ago was it when he lost to Michigan State? Not that long ago. When Jim Harbaugh lost to Michigan State, the sky was falling, the year was over. Now, next week, suddenly, Michigan will play Iowa in the Big Ten Championship this upcoming weekend. This was a massively unexpected outcome in college football. Everyone was talking about, oh my gosh, what's going to happen when Georgia will play Ohio State? How that's a dream matchup, and now Ohio State's not even going to play in the Big Ten title game like they're not even going to win a big 10 championship let alone get a chance to play georgia so uh, and and by the way let me say this imagine if michigan finds a way to lose to iowa like all the focus is on michigan and how amazing it is they are where they are what if they lose on saturday to iowa Like that could still happen i'm not exactly supremely confident in michigan right now um now here's a question how did michigan beat ohio state They dominated up front. They were so good on both sides of the ball up front on the offensive and defensive line. On defense, they put a ton of pressure on Ohio State quarterback C.J. Stroud. They made him uncomfortable all game long. Uh, When he did have time, he was great. And when he did not have time and had to move around in the pocket or avoid a rusher here and there, he was not as good. And we learned, like, oh, that's a big weakness in C.J. Stroud's game. Now, he'll be fine as a young quarterback, but first year as a starter, he's a freshman uh, but shout out to that defense uh, for Michigan. They just put pressure constantly on C.J. Stroud. Now, on offense, Michigan ran the ball for 297 yards. They were just, it was like, like fourth and one, fourth and two, like over and over again in short yardage situations. Michigan was getting a lot of push up front. Hassan Haskins, the senior running back for Michigan, had 28 carries for 169 yards and five Five touchdown runs. It was unbelievable. Great, fantastic game for him. Uh, And by the way, I got to say, before I move on from this game completely, the atmosphere was amazing. Ann Arbor, Michigan, the big house. I have never wanted to go to Michigan more than watching this game. The fans were crazy. There was light snow on the ground. It was overcast. The stadium looked awesome. There's this beautiful shot from outside the stadium. There's like a hill and concessions and looking down into the stadium. I I just got to say like, The game was great. The atmosphere was amazing. Ohio State versus Michigan this year was college football at its best. It was just a fantastic, fantastic time and a great game to watch. Okay, uh, let's talk about Bedlam. Oklahoma State beat Oklahoma 37-33. to Number one, I got to say, because I I just feel like I have to say this, I don't know what the future is for Oklahoma. They lost their head coach, Lincoln Riley. He's going to USC. 
But I absolutely love watching Oklahoma quarterback Caleb Williams. He is still developing as an NFL decision maker, but the dude is for sure an NFL quarterback. Like he is a guy who his mechanics are amazing. He's got great footwork. I love like he's if you could design a prototypical quarterback, I would probably design Caleb Williams. And he's so much fun to watch. I love I mean the guy had this crazy run, a 56-yard run with less than a minute left against Oklahoma State trying to make a comeback and I can't say enough good things. I just, I really, again, he's not perfect. He's only, he's a true freshman. Like he's literally like a young dude, but I am so impressed with Caleb Williams and he's learning still how to take what the defense gives him and when to take shots downfield, when to check it down. Like he's still figuring out all that kind of stuff, but he, he's immensely, immensely talented. And I love watching the guy. Like he just got so much heart and passion and the way he plays is so fun to watch. Now, the first half of this game was really exciting. And the second half of Oklahoma versus Oklahoma State was messy and ugly and chaotic. It was, it was a weird, wild game. Here's what Oklahoma State did in the second half. So in the second half, Oklahoma State threw a interception. They muffed a punt that OU recovered for a touchdown. They missed a field goal, and they gave up a safety. In fact, to start the third quarter, Oklahoma State spotted Oklahoma nine points. They said, here, we'll just hand you a nine-point lead. And yet, in spite of all of that, Oklahoma State still found a way to win this game. And I just think that Oklahoma State's defense deserves a ton of credit. They are the number two defense in college football right after Georgia. I didn't know that going in. I hadn't realized how good they were. And in the second half, Oklahoma punted the ball away five times. They also had two turnovers on down, on fourth down. Uh, and it just, it was a dominating performance in the second half for the Oklahoma State defense. Now, OU also fumbled. Like, so you saw Oklahoma State met, screw up a punt return. Oklahoma also fumbled a punt return. That led to a Oklahoma State touchdown that gave them a 37-33 lead. Again, it was a messy, weird game. Uh, Now, the result of this game for Oklahoma State's head coach, Mike Gundy, is he got his third ever win against Oklahoma as a head coach. He has played Oklahoma 17 times in his career as just a head coach. He's 3-14 and in those games, which is not good. I mean, I, I don't think it gets talked about enough how dominant Oklahoma has been in the history of this matchup bedlam. And I will say it's looking up a little bit. I don't know that we're ever going to see this game because Oklahoma's leading to the SEC. I don't know that we're going to see this game yearly the way we used to. Um, But man, I, it's almost too bad because with Lincoln Riley leaving, you wonder if it would have actually opened up an opportunity for Oklahoma state to go on kind of a run against Oklahoma. Now in all, as a player at Oklahoma state, as an assistant coach and as a head coach, Mike Gundy is six. 24 and one in his career against Oklahoma. He has played them 31 times, only beat them six times in a career, a lifetime of playing against Oklahoma in Bedlam. That's just crazy to me. Uh, Now, one final thing I want to say about Oklahoma, their former starting quarterback, now backup quarterback, Spencer Rattler has officially announced he is entering the transfer portal. We all saw that coming. We all expected that. Uh, I am very, very curious to see where he goes. I feel like, 
I don't know, man. I feel like, you know, Clemson would be really interesting. Maybe, I mean, like a team like Iowa would be really good. Like a team that is really good that just needs a quarterback. Like Iowa has never had a great high-level quarterback. I don't think he would go there because it's not sexy and he can definitely do better. That'd be crazy, though, if he went to uh, maybe Oregon. That'd be really fun. I think Clemson, though, is the the team no one's talking about that certainly needs a quarterback and... I think that'd be really interesting to see Spencer Rattler, that talented of a quarterback, play for Clemson. Uh, he'd be kind of the the real true sequel to Trevor Lawrence. I think that'd be really interesting. So I don't know if I don't know what teams he's looking at. I haven't looked into that debate at all, but I'm very very interested to see where Spencer Rattler ends up after entering the transfer portal. Uh, there's another big game I want to talk about: the Iron Bowl. Alabama barely beat Auburn. On Saturday, Alabama needed a touchdown with 24 seconds left just to tie the game and send it into overtime. Uh, they got that. They ended up winning in quadruple overtime. Alabama did 24 to 22. And by the way, this entire game played out with Auburn playing a backup quarterback the entire game. Like, I don't know how you feel confident if you're an Alabama fan going into playing Georgia next week in the SEC title game. I... Like anything can happen, I I guess, but for Alabama to barely beat a six and six Auburn team, I, I I you know and like again, it was by the like this was a a game they barely won. It was unbelievable how close it got, and I I did not think Auburn, I I, sorry, I didn't think Alabama was going to win this game. I was like twenty four seconds left, you got to score a touchdown. Like I I I'm not gonna lie, I was like oh, this is feels pretty hopeless for Alabama, and I just. Yikes, man. If you're an Alabama fan, how could you possibly feel confident going into Georgia next week? I just, uh, all right. Okay, finally, uh, on Thanksgiving, this game happened a while ago now, the Egg Bowl. We got Ole Miss against Mississippi State. Ole Miss beat Mississippi State 31-21. to I want to acknowledge this game. Uh, I, I think next episode I'll talk about Virginia Tech and Virginia. There's an interesting story there. I'll, I'm not going to get into it here. Uh, this game, though, the Egg Bowl, the battle of the two Mississippi schools, I was excited, and it honestly was a kind of a disappointment. Uh, the game wasn't as close as I was hoping it would be. Ole Miss led twenty four to uh, twenty four to six, and then eventually thirty one to thirteen. They won thirty one twenty one. I like Lane Kiffin coach teams. Like a lot of people hate on Lane Kiffin. I just gotta tell you, his teams are always fun to watch. They're exciting. They're interesting. They score a lot of points. I, I wish that Mississippi State had challenged Ole Miss a little bit more. Um, and I, I do want to give a shout-out, though, to Ole, to, not Ole Miss, to the Mississippi State quarterback, Will Rogers. He is a sophomore, and dude is a stud. Like I, I, The fact that he's a sophomore gives me so much excitement for the future to watch him for years to come at Mississippi State in the air raid offense. He, by the way, went to the same high school as Gardner Minshew. And you see when you watch Will Rogers, like he's got some of the same footwork that Gardner Minshew had, and Either he, I'm sure he met him. I mean, I, I don't know the story there. I just know they're both from Brandon High School in Mississippi. But you watch him, you're like, yeah, like he's clearly studied Gardner Minshew. They probably have trained together. Like the footwork is so similar. And it really helps because of the way that Mike Leach operates their offense and teaches their offense. He kind of leaves it up to the quarterbacks to make their own decisions on how they want to read stuff. So I would imagine getting to watch Gardner, like the way I would learn that offense if I was a quarterback is I'd put on Gardner Minshew film see what he did and be like, how did Gardner do this? Cause I want to emulate what he did in the Mike Leach offense. And uh, I am very, very excited for the future of Will Rogers. 
Okay, uh, tomorrow, Tuesday, the college football rankings will come out. I cannot wait to see it. We know that Georgia's going to be number one. Cincinnati will be included in there. They're undefeated, too. They're the only two undefeated teams left in college football. For now, Alabama's there. They are likely going to lose to Georgia next week in the Big Ten, or sorry, the SEC title game, not the Big Ten, the SEC. Uh, and it's going to be a crazy finish in college football to determine who the final four teams are. You have Michigan is 11-1, and Oklahoma State is 11-1, and Notre Dame is 11-1, and although they do not play in any conference championship that will hurt them i would assume uh although notre dame's only loss is to undefeated and included cincinnati so i wonder like there's one more weekend with michigan alabama and oklahoma state all having a a risk of losing i guess georgia technically is at risk of losing although i i would be i would be absolutely shocked if georgia lost and even if they did all that would mean is that both Alabama and Georgia would get into the college football playoff. But um, I don't know, man. There's a lot of good options, and I'm really curious. I would I, I assume Georgia and Cincinnati are a lock. So what will be the final two teams in college football? If Michigan wins the Big Ten title game, they're in. And then it will come down to Oklahoma State or Notre Dame. And then, again, the, the argument with Notre Dame is their only loss is to a team that you're including in the top four. So... It's going to get really interesting and really exciting here with the final college football playoff ranking coming uh, after next weekend. So stuff's heating up. It's going to be an amazing finish to college football. I want to end the show by addressing something. Addressing's the wrong word there. Acknowledging there's a guy who sent me a message. He's like, look, your content's too reactionary recently. And I, he's like, I want you to predict more stuff on the show. And I hear you. Um, I, I want to be totally clear. And like I'll make more of an effort to do some more preview content and share what I think is going to happen and why I think stuff's going to happen. But I, I've had a hard time, and I'm borderline on the edge of just giving up on making predictions this year because it's the most unpredictable year, especially of NFL football I've ever seen. Like I just I have no idea what to expect week to week, and I it feels like things happen. Like if you told me that the Chargers were going to lose to Denver this week, I'd say no way. Like LA is a really good team, and it's just the NFL is so even. You you can never truly expect and or predict what's going to happen because it's so unpredictable. And I'm I'm enjoying it. Like I'm sorry that people aren't getting what they want from the show. Like I'm sorry I'm not predicting more things, but I I'm not gonna like this year. Anything goes. It just feels like there's nothing I can predict because I, I make predictions and I'm wrong like all the time because you can't. Nothing seems to be following a train of logic like it normally does in recent NFL years. So I'm kind of at a loss for what to do with predicting stuff. And uh, I apologize that people aren't getting what they want from the show. I'm doing the best I can. All right, guys. I love you. I appreciate you. I hope you have a great day. And uh, that's all I have. But um, bum bam, we are done.